9.53 degrees south, 160.16 degrees east. Chester Nez sits in a field awaiting vital information to radio back to the offshore battleship. As he sits in his self-dug foxhole, bullets are zipping around his head at mind-blowing speeds and bombs explode all around. Hey guys, welcome back to 382.2. We have a very interesting story for you today, brought to you by Brady, Grady, and Tate about the Navajo code talker Chester Nez. So why is Corinth, Uncle Tate? Well here, native Navajo Chester Nez is on the beach in the Pacific using a top-secret code to communicate coordinates in a dangerous position to U.S. warplanes filled with bombs. If he messes up, thousands lose their lives. In early 1942, the U.S. needed a strategy to keep its vital communication secret from the enemy. Japan had been cracking the war messages every time that the U.S. delivered one. The United States had tried everything, including number and letter codes, but the Japanese just figured it out somehow. When they would crack a code, it was an indescribable setback for the U.S., and in total, 127,456 men lost their lives due to strategic information being in the hands of the enemy. Japan was cracking every U.S. code, but occasionally the U.S. scriptologists were able to decode the powerful Japanese codes. During World War II, America had big problems trying to fight Japanese. If the U.S. had somebody that could decode the Japanese messages, then they'd become more powerful to fight back against the Japanese. That's when they brought back the cryptologists. These people's job were to decode the Japanese codes the final hidden messages that the Japanese were developing. The U.S. military didn't have cryptologists. Japanese force would overpower the whole world. Over the span of World War II, cryptologists, men and women, were working 12 hours a day, 7 days a week. They had very little downtime to see family, and they had a little downtime to sleep. When the Japanese introduced the JN-25 to the American cryptologists in early 1939, America had a big problem on their back. If cryptologists messed up the codes, lives were lost and just couldn't respawn and glide on down. American forces had to fight back for the lives they lost. American cryptologists had a big part of America winning World War II, and without cryptologists in World War II, U.S. forces could not have counted Japanese forces and would have lost a large amount of lives. The Japanese were working as hard in breaking our codes, but the U.S. needed a better plan to keep our sec- mission secret. That is when the Navajo Code Talkers came into play. Well, who came up with this crazy idea of using this language in the military anyway? Brady, don't you know about this? Philip Johnson is a World War One veteran and wanted to contribute in World War II, but was too old. He really wanted to help in some way, so he was reading an article one day about military security and got this crazy idea. You see, the Japanese were cracking our codes, and they thought about using the Navajo language to trick the Japanese code crackers. You might be thinking, hmm, how does this even, how does he even know this language? Well, he, when he was just a little boy, he grew up on a Navajo reservation and spoke the language as a kid. After thinking of how he would show his idea work to the head military colonel, he finally had it planned out. He then went and proposed his idea to the colonel and demonstrated how it would work with the help of four bilingual people. He had two rooms far away from each other and translated the English code into Navajo, sent it to the next room, and the message came through clear as a bell. So they put the idea into consideration. After his official training camps began, and 29 men were recruited, and it would be vital in the development of this code. Okay, very interesting, very neat. But how did the code talkers learn this vital but secret code? 
Great question. In the early years of World War II, the Army recruited some Navajo Native Indians from around San Diego to see if they could create a complex code based on their language. Since it was based on a language that was never written, the Native Navajo Indian was needed to teach them. An example is when the Japanese didn't have access to any Native Navajos, so they couldn't figure out this code. Chester Nez was a Native Navajo that became a hero soldier and first to be recruited. There were 29 recruits, including Nez. These elite men worked 12 hours a day, 6 to 7 days a week, for 13 weeks. <coughs> they were tested mentally and physically for 3 months straight. Although it required so much focus, they were a tight-knit group of buzz and could always find time for some Shidagada beer. Nez's first mission would be a real eye-opener. In August of 1942, he was told he was going to be put on the Pacific Island Hopping Campaign and first land at Guadalcanal. The death, the destruction, and the gunpowder drowning out the birds chirping hit him hard the moment he got off the boat. He waded through dead body-filled water for a grueling few hours before he made it to land and began to set up. During the first week in Guadalcanal, Nez and his buds had the first message received from a runner. A runner is a soldier whose jo only job is to spy enemy lines and tell the crows what they saw. The crows had to stay low to the burning hot sand in the foxholes they dug and keep rigorously cranking the radio to keep the radios running and relay messages. Many of the radios were hard to operate and required a lot of energy to use. Yes, very true. Many communication devices are very complicated and tough to use. But these devices were vital to win wars. They allow information to be shared among allies and soldiers to inform them of the whereabouts of enemies. Of course, good comes with bad as well. These frequencies could be hacked and jammed up by enemies. If a frequency was hacked, information was leaked about locations of troops and the enemy could attack. Also, communicators were usually poorly armed and trained how to fight and unable to defend themselves. The World War II radios were absolutely everywhere. Almost every family had one, just like we have TVs now. Military vehicles had at least one device as well. A wide variety of devices existed, like the common telegraph, all the way to the radio teletypewriter that could send messages thousands of miles. These were cutting-edge technologies, where today, this type of communication is at anyone's fingertips. The radios were complicated and heavy. The men would struggle for hours carrying the 30-pound devices. Although it was such a challenge, dealing with this hard-to-manage technology and equipment was vital to win the war. Remember, these radios were a big advantage, but were also very dangerous for the operator. Bullets zipped by their heads, and yet they remained inhumanly calm. These dangerous situations were a big problem mentally, interfering with the focus they needed to interpret the code properly. An example of one mistake is when... In a decoding session, just one letter was interpreted wrong, and as a result, the corners were off and U.S. planes dropped bombs on their own soldiers instead of the enemy. And many lives were lost. The job of a code talker was literally a matter of life and death. While not on the front line, Nez and others didn't have the best conditions. Their food was three meals a day, but was mainly consisted of small dry biscuits and a sloppy bowl of broth. At night, these men would only get a short few hours of sleep before starting a long day of messaging. During the boot of few months in Guadalcanal, after a long day of work, Nez and a few select members of the infamous Platoon 382 were pulled aside and picked to stay for the rest of the war to help bring down the Japanese army. As everyone else boarded the plane to go home, Nez watched but had a, his mindset a common goal. 
His goal is to help defend the deadly Japanese forces and lead America to the victory of World War II. These brave soldiers were usually just looked at as just another kid in his 20s fighting for his life through mental and physical pain and hunger. Many don't realize it, but these kids and their code were the real reason that we could defeat the strong and vast army of Japan at the end of World War II. As the war came to an end, the men went home. Some forgot about what they did. As years rolled on, Nez went on with his life. It took years before anyone would recognize how much of a positive impact their work was on the war. It took over 50 years to happen, but in 2000, Nez and 14 of his closest friends were awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. The war was filled with death, destruction, but there were smart and strong men who persisted through saving lives and becoming heroes.